Hey everyone, this is Plot Mechanics, a show where we talk about your favorite movies and their plot. And today we're talking about a very new and very fresh movie, The Suicide Squad, the 2021 Suicide Squad, which is directed by James Gunn. The government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. And this is a very exciting talk we're gonna have. Um, of course, we know about the original 2016 Suicide Squad, and this one's a little different. So strap in, hope you enjoy this episode, and hope you check out our other episodes if you're interested. Thank you for listening. Uh, that's, where you can, uh, that's where you can find the, the thing to start recording. <laughs> oh, that's fine. It's been a hell of a week. It's been a hell of a week, but uh, once again, uh, the end of the week is going to be great because you, yes, you out there in podcast land, are listening to Plot Mechanics. Uh, of course, you know, the weekly podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, our favorite movies, your hated movies, our hated movies, even movies in general. You know how it is. Uh, and once again, this is your boy, uh, Leon, and I am joined with my lovely, beautiful friends. I'm Ed. I'm Adil. And I'm Motsi. And this week, we are talking about the highly anticipated redo slash sequel slash another James Gunn superhero movie, The Suicide squad the. starring countless amounts of uh, names in minor roles to confuse all of the advertisers as to who was going to live or die but of course we will go over that because as always uh spoilers alerts people um but before we get into the plot as we normally do uh let's get our first and foremost what is your first impression we're going alphabetical adil what do you talk about first impressions of suicide squad um it's i'm not sure how to feel about this film i think it's it's very well made in what it's trying to do but at the same time i don't think it does justice to its premise i think um if it's about a bunch of anti-heroes having fun and that kind of thing it does that pretty well it, it's got, even then it's got some flaws, which we'll get into when we get into the details of it. But uh, that part, it does very well. And from the get-go. However, when you have something like the Suicide Squad, when it's about a bunch of villains, those people are not villains. I don't feel like villains. Not, not, not one bit. Like most of the time, they're just like, they could have just been a bunch of specialized heroes that they sent or maybe anti-heroes that they sent it wouldn't have been that much different i think it's it's there there are people who care about other people they care about one another i feel if you have somebody like those are murderers those are killers those those are i i, I wish there was more a bigger sense of apathy among the group and ruthlessness more um there could have been a few exceptions, but at the core, I wish it had been a bunch of vicious murderers. And as Leon usually says, it should have been a group of people who kill children. Uh, weasel, weasel, uh, murder twenty-six children. So, twenty-seven. Not on green. 
27 children not we don't see but it not but, on, yeah we don't that's the thing right so all these people seem like nice guys and, and they're likable and everything and i wish it was more like 30 dozen like uh, telly savalas who's yeah. the moment you're launching him in there he rapes and murders someone yeah i can dig mm. it all right next on the alphabetical train mr boxler Ed, what oh, you're right saying? right that is me um, no, I, I love this movie. I, I think it's probably the best DCEU film. Um, I would even argue it's the best DC film since The Dark Knight. So I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think that the characters themselves are not likable people. I did not like anybody in this film. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't at least empathize with some of them. And actually, no, that's a lie. Ratcatcher too. I totally empathize with her. She was great. Um, and uh, Harley Quinn, I also empathize with. Um, I would say that if there were flaws with this film, it's not so much, I think, the actual film in itself, because I think it does exactly what it wants to do. Um, I think it's in how it markets itself as a super, like a, in line with other superhero films. This is not a four quadrant movie like Marvel or like how James Gunn has presented uh, Marvel movies, let's say. Uh, this is very much a film where he gets to do, be as crass as he wants, be as offensive as he wants, and he get away with it because it's the Suicide Squad. And we're not really supposed to get connect too connected to these people. And I know that James Gunn's previous work has reveled in that quite a bit. And so I feel like this is more in line with that than it is like something like Guardians of the Galaxy. So for that, I really enjoyed it because I do like James Gunn and I do like his older work. Um, yeah. That's pretty much where I'm going to go with that. I really, really, really liked the fact that he actually had the balls to kind of go with, you know, the, the, the storyline that he did, uh, because the true villain in this movie is not Starro. It is the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, took a lot of balls to actually, you know, hit for a major studio film that costs $185 million. Yeah. Can I just react to that? Sure. Mm -hmm. I kind of I've I've seen that uh, that uh, comment from other people as well who say that it's it's a brave move. I disagree with it because because in the end it's a it is a movie where the an American team goes into the third world illegally and saves them. It is a movie that still feeds into the narrative that. Americans are going to help people and change governments and put governments that suit that fit their moral values. And it, it feels like Cuba. Because yep. until today, they, they still have the, the narrative that, you know, Castro and all those people through overthrew a government which was supposedly peaceful, but which was actually exploiting their its people. And to this day, like America tried, like, the Bay of Pigs, for example, they try to invade Cuba and do stuff, stuff like that. So this is the movie where the Bay of Pigs, they actually go in and they actually reinstate a government that's, that could have worked. So here's, here's the thing. I, uh, Adil, Ed, you're both right. So the thing is, in, in this film, and, and especially with Task Force X, there is a lot of, sub, of, of like hidden narratives where they aren't villains per se they just break the law and they make sure that that is something that 
is reflected in the best of the characters, Ratcatcher 2, um, and the worst of the characters, Peacemaker, um, hmm. where, yes, you have a team comprised of villains, but they're not villains because they're murderers and rapists and the most violent of people. They're villains because they broke a law that America made. And it's even exploited that when Ratcatcher at one point is just like, yeah, they. I had a rat and I robbed a bank because I was poor in the middle of the state and I, and I came from another country and I didn't know any better. And they said a rat was a lethal weapon. And I went to this task force X. The, when, you, when you look at it in that context, you're just like, what, really? Okay, America. And it is, it's a 100% designed to be a, an, an allegory for Cuba and the Bay of Bull. Either Cuba or Venezuela or Nicaragua or whichever Latin American country <laughs> Latin you wish America. to say. America showed up. They, they realized what Nazis were doing. They fucked shit up. And America was like, well, we can be a part of this and destabilize the entire thing. I will say this. Uh, it is, in my opinion, uh, the best DCU movie uh, since The Dark Knight. Um, two, I think the first act was a comedy. And I wish they kind of kept with that comedy. But it went from comedy to action comedy to like action, action drama or whatever. And I, I kind of like the Legion of the Comedy a bit. Either way, uh, I like the movie. It's great. It's a fantastic movie. It has a lot to say. Uh, I like Task Force X. I like Amanda Waller because Viola Davis is always bomb. Um, mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Um, so my opinion on this movie, I see a lot of people like on my feed saying like, this is the best movie. This is the greatest movie. I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I didn't like it. Um, there are certain movies where one thing happens and I it ruins the entire movie for me and that happens here. That said, Sebastian's the best and we love Sebastian. I don't know that much about James Gunn, so I can't speak. I think I liked all of the stylistic choices in this movie. I think it was a well-made movie. I think I enjoyed it for sure. I liked certain characters, but overall I have the same issues that Adil has and there's certain aspects of the movie that's very all over the place I think that for for all that I think that I can see how James Gunn is a good filmmaker I think this movie suffered from a lot of like very small issues that peppered it that I think I could have ignored if I enjoy if I liked the movie more but again like I do have issues with it um that said, I'm also like really pissed off at like those weird articles about how it bombed in the middle of pandemic. Oh, I'll 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 speak to that because like the fact that people are calling this a disaster and and the articles and painting that narrative. That's that's talk briefly about the box about box office. First of all, you're right. You're in the middle of a pandemic. The cases in the states are rising and not rising by a little bit. They're rising insanely because people over there are stupid and not wanting to get vaccinated. Sorry. Um, so you have people that who nor might normally want to go to the theaters. Not go, no, they're not going. They're not going to go. It's an R-rated film, and no matter which way, no matter which way you look at it, an R-rated film will never do as well as a PG-13 rated film. This was a hard R. Um, I personally thought the marketing of this movie was crap because I had no interest in watching this movie. Um, and I know a lot of people that said the same thing that were like, yeah, this doesn't really look that interesting. You also have the baggage from the first Suicide Squad that, you know, just like what happened with Dread in 2012 and Judge Dread, people still associated with the film with a bad movie, even if the movie was a significant uptake in quality. Um, HBO Max, it's free. 
So it's like to people that subscribe to it, they can all watch it at home. And even if you saw it once in the theater, you were going to go like multiple times. Um, piracy. How many people pirated this movie? Tons, tons of movie. Because like literally Thursday night when I got home from the screening, my buddies who I saw it with said, guess what I got? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that. And, and honestly, I think, I think obviously you could say that, yes, maybe characters not so, weren't well known, maybe a lack of star power. Cause you know, a lot of people underestimate Will Smith's ability to bring people into the box office, but let's face it, every movie that he's not in that tried to carry on without him hasn't done that well. So I think that, um, and I don't, think this version of Harley Quinn, I saw it on the show today that this version of Harley Quinn is everyone's favorite version. So I'd, even she can't really sell this movie anymore. So wow. I think there's a lot of reasons why this movie and, and, and it's not a four and it's not, and it's not a four quadrant film. That's the biggest thing. So I can't imagine that they would have expected anything beyond this, this outcome. I think it's, a, I thought it was actually all right. I, I liked it. I'm not, this, this is what I hate. Up, and well, what I hate, what I hate about what's going on in this, this, this narrative that keeps getting pushed is that we're reducing movies. People work on movies for multiple years and people work hard and people, there's thousands of people on these, on these movies that devote like out countless hours to get this, this movie out. And it's reduced to its opening weekend performance. The whole thing is just reduced to it. Now it's being considered, now this is a failure and it's like, no, and it, oh, it's a gar like it's a failure and it's a flop and no one cares. And it's like, Guys, no. I, I just want to make clear that I, I did like the movie very much. I just I just think it's very good. It's not great, and those two reasons that I gave were the reasons I didn't feel it was great. But I, overall, I give it like a, an eight out of ten. Not my favorite DCEU movie. Actually, not even my favorite DCEU see, movie. See, of see, this the is what I, I gave it an eight out of ten. A deal. Right, I'm yeah. calling it great. Yeah, and but, you're like it's not great. Eight out of ten. But that's <laughs> that's that's the thing. Ed. Like your eight and my eight are not are not the same thing, right? You, like, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the. It's very subjective. Like ratings are very subjective. Here, here's the here's the, here's the thing, right? Like, I think the one thing for me that puts this movie higher over a lot of DCEUs is all of the context that I have that a lot of people don't. So seeing the way Amanda Waller acts is one of the best portrayals of the character outside of Justice League Unlimited. Seeing, seeing Harley Quinn in that mentality may not be the best, ver like the best use of Harley Quinn, but it was the closest since the Harley Quinn cartoon TV show on HBO. I think that these, these writers and these actors who were given these characters for the first time in a long time, it felt like they were given, here's 70 years of comic books, go read them and come back. And then they read them and came back and then they used whatever acting ability they had to make those characters true. The problem is if the audience three out of four of us don't have the context for those comics, then it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, anyway, um, going into the, that's fair, that's fair, but going into the plot. So we open with, um, so we open with Bell Reef Penitentiary where they're keeping a bunch of different superhero, su uh, sorry, super powered um, bad guys, quote unquote bad guys. And Task Force X, a squad of inmates are sent to South American island nation of Corto Maltese, 
um, after the government is overthrown by an anti-American regime. Um, so you get a different, a bunch of different like quote unquote villains and um, characters from the comics. Under orders from intelligence officer Amanda Waller, the squad is tasked with destroying Jotunheim, a Nazi-era laboratory that holds a secretive experiment known as Project Starfish. Um, and then a team led by Waller's subordinate Colonel Rick Flagg, as you remember him from the last Suicide Squad movie, um, it's almost entirely wiped out in the first, like, um, in the first couple of minutes of the movie um, by the Corto Maltese military upon landing. Um, but then it's revealed that there's a second team um, uh, made up of Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Nanawe, the King Shark, um, Polka Dot Man, and Ratcatcher 2 to enter the country undetected on another side of the island. Um, and then right after that, um, Flag, who has been captured, as well as Harley Quinn, um, they find Flag in a base camp of rebel soldiers, but not before killing all of the rebels, almost all of the rebel soldiers. And the squad, they somehow convinced rebellion leader Saul Soria to assist them in taking down the current government. Meanwhile, Harley Quinn is captured and romanced by rebel leader Silvia Luna, um, who she immediately murders right after um, he reveals some red flags about him, which allows his general, Mateo Suarez, to take over. I think what's really important about what James Gunn did with this movie, and he, to an extent, has done with Suicide Squad, with uh, Gardens of the Galaxy, is he knows how and when to use comedy, and he knows how and when to use Easter eggs and mm -hmm. use them together. Um, the, the introduction and use of Weasel was extremely well done in in breaking down a lot of the preconceived notions of what you're going to see right mm -hmm. so we we can go into like how you bring in weasel and immediately you're like i have a bunch of hardened criminals hardened criminals oh this scene's a comedy weasel's a joker like and then he, and then weasel drowns um, and it, it immediately breaks away the tension from what you expect in the first opening scene. You know, that, that intro scene is very, very well made because it, it sets the tone right away. You know exactly what the movie is going to be and uh, pretty unpredictable too because there's some big names in there that just get killed. Yeah. Um, especially Boomerang, I did not see that coming because he was from the previous film. Uh, not that I don't welcome it, but I think one of the most brilliant parts of this film is how I kept saying this is so stupid, but in a good way. One of the things that I agree with a lot of people have mentioned this that this film does really well is that it never shies away from being based on comic books, based on the weirdest comic books. Um, it's not Marvel trying to like give you a really boring version of a certain suit, which they've only slightly improved over the years and like giving you like, I don't know, black and chrome and silver or like whatever, like boring ass shit because the um, comic book version was too flamboyant. This one is like, here's a comic book character. Look at how weird this is. Let's see what we can do with it. And either what they can do with it is kill them off immediately because that's silly or actually make something out of it like Polka Dot Man. So oh. That's the thing. That. That's the thing. Like, you can tell James Gunn did his homework, and yeah. like I, well, sorry, M comic book people can tell if James Gunn did his homework. Everyone else doesn't matter. I like when when Bloodsport shows up, and Amanda Waller's just like, yeah, he put Superman in the ICU. I'm like, yeah, I know that book. It happened. Everyone's just like, that would never happen. I'm like, no. 
Superman thought he was just a regular bullet and then the casing fell off and then it shot him in the chest and he went to the hospital and Star Labs and Jimmy Olsen saved his life and there's a whole book behind it. And I'm like, a line like that doesn't come away from someone who doesn't do their homework. Well, that's what I, that's the thing that I love about this film is that the, it's, it's done in a way where if you don't fully understand the comics, you, you don't need to know them to understand what is happening. And like the small bullet thing, like they established that early on and then they pay it off mm. with like later on. But you're right, you're right. If you knew the comics, they set up enough in the film that you would believe it based on the events of the film. But if you know the comics, you know how far back that whole small bullet thing goes yeah. so i really like that i i agree with Monty. i really like the the embracing of stupid of stupid like characters because you know like this yeah the the c list of 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 characters and i and i and i know that's that's one of the things he wanted to do originally anyway um you know you know or i i knew early on that a lot of them were probably going to get killed it was just interesting to see them just get wiped out like right <laughs> before the credits even start you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and it was it was just done in a way where it's not so much that they die, it's that nobody cares. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the government like like Amanda Waller doesn't care. And like they could not have done that in a more humorous and better way than when Weasel just drops out of the plane and he's drowning. And everyone's like, Did no one check that this guy can swim? <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's little things like that that and it's like it's a it's a crass joke because he's dying but at the same time you're like i don't care it's hilarious and so like they, they established little things like that that i thought was really well done um captain boomerang like he was he's always been a disposable character anyway even in the first suicide squad he didn't do a whole lot anyway so it wasn't like the biggest shock in the world that he did die but it was it was it was setting up that yes you know what this is this is a suicide squad where not everyone is safe maybe like the core ones that you know DC has plans for will survive, but other than that, everyone's everyone's fair game, and and so that was well done. I think one of the weaknesses of that premise, just one of the biggest weaknesses, is knowing that it's it's almost like in a horror movie, you have a character that you know is going to be in the sequels, so there's no surprise that they don't die. That's kind of what Harley Quinn is in this movie, but I think it is like if you establish that at the beginning. But then you have Harley Quinn there. She's gonna for all the for all that other characters will die in slapstick, but ultimately realistic ways. Harley Quinn is gonna get out of it every time. No, I get what you mean. I get what you mean because it's not really it's not really the films. The film can't really do. There's nothing you can know about that if you know who the main characters are. There's no way that they're gonna be able to say no. We're gonna kill them off, and you don't know they're gonna survive. We know how basic stories go through. They're characters that I did think could have died and like I wasn't sure if they were going to survive like King Shark I didn't think he was good I didn't think he he might have survived he might not have more as the film went on I was like oh polka dot man might survive like you know there was these little things where it's like you're not sure obviously I figured that Idris Elba casting Idris Elba and and Harley Quinn and they they announced that there was going to be a peacemaker show like before this movie came out which I think that the John Cena quote unquote death would have been so much more impactful had that mm. have we not known there was going to be a peacemaker show because they do do they have like the the post credit sequence where oh some not everyone died and you know that was kind of interesting so i think that there were genuine shocks in the film um it's just 
obviously it can't get over that hurdle where you're like we're following the main person you know they're not going to die and that's not a fault of the film it, it's it's actually braver in this because it's part of a cinematic universe um where they've kind of said that these characters we're not touching anymore at this point i mean they, mm -hmm. they may never have any intention of ever touching them until james gunn came around but that's fine but also okay so i want to go into what ruined this film for me um, so it was like, it was pretty funny. Like as, as soon as like they found the rebel camp, I was like the, the camp, I was like, Oh, now we can eat now. Or like, I, I found that really funny, but then after that, they kind of killed off and it turns out this was like a rebel camp that they would ally with. And then they're like, oops, we killed people. And the rebel leader just says, okay, well, I'll, I will still like, I'll ally with you, even though it's a deal with devil. That's that like took me out of it. It's so like there are so many moments in this movie that are hilarious, but still within the confines of like, um, like what do you call it? Uh, sus like suspension of disbelief, right? Like I can I can still understand everyone acted in a certain way that felt like a natural human thing, everyone. But this moment did not make sense to me. It was a very. It was like when you're run like when you are enjoying the crass jokes until one of them is at your expense and that's what it felt like to me because it was like because i do come from a country where this is a thing where there are rebel factions going against the government that are doing it because the government hurt them and then just to have like a bunch of them get murdered and then well we'll just forget about it it's like it's almost like seeing a racist joke in a 2000s movie for me it was just like well I guess this movie isn't for me anymore. And that's how I felt for the rest of the movie. So, yeah, no, um, and I'm not, I'm not gonna disagree with you on any basis of, of you know, your reaction to that because I've, I've heard that as a valid, and I do think it's a valid criticism. And I've, I've watched reviews of people that have felt very strongly about the casual nature of how they play off that for laughs. And I do think that's a valid criticism. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to say it isn't or try to argue that it's not. Um, the only thing for me, I'm, I, I am a very critical person of the United States. I have been vocally very openly critical because I have a lot of American friends and my girlfriend is an American and her, most of her family is American. Um, and I have no problem criticizing what that country does and has done in the, in the past, um, and still continues to do to, to people. And there is a casual negligence that the US has displayed in its military, I don't know how to, I don't know exactly how to say it, the, the use of its, the use of its military, its imperialistic um, ideals across the world. And I don't think, and, and, and there's no, most people that don't know that or will defend it don't know to the full extent to, that, to which that goes. Um, I also felt a little weird about laughing at this scene. I did end up laughing a little bit. Um, I appreciated the scene. I know people that may not appreciate the scene. I appreciate the scene because it does reflect that casual negligence that Americans have. It plays it up for jokes, but I don't think, at least for me, I never felt that the film was trying, was, was, was trying to like um, paint over what just happened because it is a deliberate, savagery that it, uh, that Peacemaker and Bloodsport do to these people. Like it's, it's, the, it's probably the most savage and most grisly version, version of deaths. So it's not something that they were um, 
they were trying to play off fully for jokes. It was more like, oh, those were the good guys. And that's something that I know because, you know, I've, you know, the U.S. has bombed Canadians before and passed it off as casual negligence. It's something that has been done to like friendly fire incidents have happened in the past. And I think with this film directly doing that, I think it calls attention to that um, in a way that people, that is shocking. It might be funny in a way, but I think it is designed to, to, to do shock an American audience into being like, hey, this shit happens and you do this shit. You do this in the world. Um, and your people casually laugh it off as like it's nothing. The rebel leader to me wasn't so much that she passed, like just just glossed over it, but she's in a position where like, like I, I, that position, I don't really understand how you can, like you can't just kill these people that you know you need. I just want to add something to this because I think I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Uh, so I did laugh and I did enjoy the scene itself, even though the moment, the moment I saw Alice, uh, Alice Braga playing that character, I realized exactly who she was. And I realized that they were actually uh, killing a bunch of resistant fighters. It's, as you said, Marty, it's the reaction that bugs me. It's the, it, I think a better movie would have created the tension between the resistance and them. And that would have, the story would have evolved around them trying to, to circle around all these issues that they are piling up. They just brush it, brush it off and they, and they offer the solution, which is like, we're Americans, we're gonna help you out. And that, 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 that's the, the part that really got me out of the movie too. And, but the scene itself, I did, I did enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I, I, so, yeah. so like Adil, I, 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 I 100% agree with you because I think that probably could have been solved in editing. But the reason that it wasn't is because there is a surefire way to do comedy in American audiences. It's the same reason Chappelle tells his jokes the way he tells his jokes. The same reason Michael Che tells his jokes the way he tells his jokes. You have at my Bill Burr, any major well-known comedian knows that the punchline can't be ethical. Knowing their audience, knowing it's Midwestern America, Monty, you're not American or Western in your upbringing, neither is Adil. And like, if, if they were to make it attention, if they were to make it a point, it would have affected this movie's monetary value. It would have affected people's view on the movies. People would have said, oh, this is what America, it, it would have had a negative connotation to what it was. And I understand why James Gunn edited it in a way where people who are aware of it and sensitive to it us included, saw that. For me, for someone who read the books, watching this movie, knowing the history, knowing the origins of Bloodsport and Amanda Waller, there's a reason that Bloodsport is in jail mm -hmm. and Amanda Waller is running the jail. And then they make jokes about a black girl who has a third strike going into the prison system. There is a black person yeah. in jail being exploited by a black person in charge, being then exploiting a, some, a, a, a female black woman in charge. 
a woman in charge and then saying there's another black woman who is just as portrayed as arguative, powerful, strong as Amanda Waller then being bullied into that position. Just as you noticed how that scene took you out of the movie, for me watching it as a black person being like, oh, Bloodsport, Amanda yeah. Waller, Blood, or Bloodsport's daughter, um, all of that has now been tied into an entire thing. Just like someone with you know, um, mental illness would have to be looking at polka or polka dot man mm-hmm. and, see, and, and seeing that, that we were blind to. And just like someone with suffering from homelessness and, and immigration would, would relate to um, rat catcher too. Yeah. There, there is always going to be veils that every individual brings to a movie that pulls them out of it, which is why you're hundred percent right well, in your depiction of that scene being negative. It's not that they don't, it, it's that, that isn't, yeah, you're right. Like Americans don't really understand that kind of humor. Um, but there's a certain type of crassness to certain humor that they, that they, that they can respond to. Yes. And, you, and, and I do agree with you that this film offends on many levels, which is why I don't consider it a four quadrant movie, which is why, you know, the fact that it only makes $26 million is that seems fair for a movie like this, because it's, a, it's, it's, it's an offensive movie. Like this movie deliberately does things that offend people. Um, and, and I caught the, that bit in the prison as well. So I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, I'm like okay, this movie's kind of going there. No, okay. in, in terms of the intent of the creators, we, we can't know for sure, right? Maybe no. they... Right. I, I, do, I do believe that they had good intentions. I do believe that they wanted to criticize America in general in this film. Uh, I think uh, it does feel like they have blind spots as well. Because I... I so it's... We... What happened behind the scenes, we can only guess. So I don't really want to to make any statement about that. The last, the last thing I want to say is that it's there. There's a saying in, I guess, black culture in general. I don't maybe other people, but mainly black people. And it's that you can, you will never be able to tear down the master's house with the tools provided that he provides to you. And that meaning that in this film, there is no way that. Suicide Squad, which is owned by Warner Brothers, which is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate owned by AT&T. There is no way they can say or do something that is going to be able to jeopardize the system in which it's criticizing. Well, I'm, I'm going to say the reason why I'm going to say the reason why I feel like this movie is actually quite brave is because it is offending a lot of people and is being deliberate in its offense. And that's why I think that scene is deliberate and is deliberately done the way it is doing doing that because it's calling attention to things that we should be thinking more about than we than we than we do and that's one of the things that i've always appreciated when satire um, even within shows like south park and family guy when they're good and when they're doing it right they're offensive but the offensiveness is coming from a position of people need to start thinking about what is actually happening. And that's for me, that's what that scene got me to do. It got me to say, it got me to realize, you know what, this shit does happen in the world and it happens more often than we think. And for an American audience to see that, because I have not seen that done in an American film before to that extent. And yes, to casually laugh it off, there's definitely, um, I wouldn't say meta criticism, but there's definitely something there where the film is making a point 
And whether the intelligent, I'm not gonna say the audience is intelligent, but whether the audience wants to see that point, it's made and it's there. Yeah. You can't be brave when the majority of your audience is stupid. I'm not saying that the majority of people who watch Suicide Squad are stupid. I'm just saying that if you make a very highbrow, um, very intelligent, witty, kind of oh, like just over the top satire of a moment, and people who criticize these things and analyze these things and relate to these things are like, oh shit, I see what you're doing. But 98% of the crowd is just like, oh, it's funny. <laughs> then like, uh, what's the point? <laughs> For we who did see what was doing, I don't think it worked. But again, anyway, uh, that's a personal thing. Let's go on to Harley Quinn's scene, which I want to say, I it felt very much like it got slotted in and not very natural. It felt yeah. very out of place. And that's what yeah. that's what contributed to my saying that the first part of the film felt a bit scattershot. Let's see. I've never, I think this is the first episode where you and I agree so much because I've, I've got this thing, you're, you're, it's like you're reading from my notes here. Uh, I, I also felt like the whole Harley subplot felt like an afterthought because especially when watching the movie, I was, every time she was on until she joined, rejoined the group, even after that, I felt like, okay, we're taking a break from, from the main story and we're just going to see what she's doing a little bit. She's a great character in general, she just feels a little out of place in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And every moment she has is very good for her character, but not, but as for the film, I feel like very, like very few of her moments like serve the film. I'll say it, Harley Quinn should not have been in this movie. The reason she was in this movie is because they, no one would green light a Suicide Squad movie if you weren't bringing Harley Quinn in. Right. Well, she, James James Gunn actually had plans for Harley, but Margot Robbie didn't want her Harley to have a as big a role in this as as um, as she has in previous films. What was that? It 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 felt like it felt like Harley's purpose for being in this movie could have been fulfilled by any other character any other way. Yeah. Um. So, so you could you could have done it. You could have done it with Mongal. You probably, literally, probably. Literally but Harley out. Quinn's a fan favorite character, so they're going to use yeah, Harley Quinn. Yeah, um, I, I didn't really feel like it was that unnecessary. You know, she kills a dictator, the dictator, and which significantly weakens Luna. Uh, yeah, which significant, which significantly weakens the dictatorship, which allows the rebels to to even go further than than they may have had he been still alive. I think that. You know, she does it in a way that's that's interesting. Um, very Harley, very Harley, and that 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 was probably the closest portrayal of Harley Quinn that I've seen for the films to do it, as I've understood Harley Quinn ever since she's been introduced uh, in the animated series. Um, I feel like this is probably the most accurate to that character. Um, yep. It's it's definitely a, a side role. But I enjoyed that because we got the the awesome shootout sequence, and then she goes outside, and they're trying to break her in. Yeah, and she's just like, "Hey, what's up?" So anyway, the squad accomplishes their next objective of capturing the Thinker, a metahuman scientist in charge of Project Starfish, and basically they catch him in like a club or bar or something. And then as they're going through, they are able to capture him, and they're able to escape being like captured by the enemy. They event they were like, oh, let's go to Jotunheim. But then they're like, wait, well, let's get Harley first. <laughs> Actually, for all that I was like saying that it felt a bit inserted, like 
and they were like, wait, we have to get Harley first. That was like really funny, but really good. Um, so they get Harley Quinn from the um, Corte Maltese military after she has been captured for killing their leader and is tortured for information, but has a very cool scene in which she escapes and actually shows off that she is an acrobat, which you only see for style points in the first one. Anyway, um, breaking into Jotunheim, most of the squad rigs the facility with explosives and Flag and Ratchetcatcher 2 enter the underground laboratory accompanied by the Thinker. And then they see that Project Starfish is actually what um, the Thinkers call Starro the Conqueror, a gigantic, powerful extraterrestrial um, starfish with a giant eye capable of controlling its victims' minds. Um, they, the Thinker reveals that Starro was brought to Earth by the American government, and the American government has been secretly funding the experiments on Porto Maltese for decades with the permission slash help of the um, acting government before the, um, before the coup. And then Peacemaker, who, um, uh, to the surprise of nobody, um, under secret orders to cover up the US's involvement, kills Flag. And after he refuses to surrender a hard drive because Flag wants to reveal all of this to the press. Um, but then Ratcatcher 2 manages to get the drive. And meanwhile, the squad and the Corto Maltese military fight, which leads to Polka Dot Man accidentally setting off the explosives prematurely. And during the ensuing chaos, Bloodsport saves Ratchcatcher 2 by very conveniently falling into where um, Peacemaker's about to kill her. He shoots Peacemaker and then Starro, gigantic starfish that they are, escapes the laboratory and kills the thinker for torturing it for decades. And that, I believe, is act two. This movie is uh, full of callbacks at every chance it gets. Everything from Michael Rook killing the bird in the first scene to him being his brains eaten out by a similar bird when he dies um, to the bullet that uh, Bloodsport shoots through the bullet to, or through, wow, the bullet that Bloodsport shoots through Peacemaker's other bullet, they had callbacks where King Shark was like, friends don't eat friends. And then he made new friends and they proceeded to try and eat him. Um, this movie does nothing but bring one-off one-liners, waits 45 minutes for the punchline. And, and it does a great job, especially in this scene with, with everything that they were doing to, to determine, you know, these characters have continuity. And I think that's something that comes up a lot of movies is that characters don't have continuity. When um, Rick Flagg gets stabbed in the side, you see Peacemaker constantly hitting him in that side. And that's the only place he tries to kick him only in that left side, only punches him in that left side, only attacks on his right side, only right side hooks, always attacking the left side that was previously stabbed to Peacemaker. And I think every other action movie we've seen or talked about on this podcast they neglect that. You get stabbed in the side, then you know the fight continues as choreographed. And this movie did a great job of being like, if you're injured in your arm, that affects you. When um, Bloodsport gets his head hit from the from his helmet breaks from the side, he goes to grab his helmet at one point and he pulls off a broken piece and throws it down. And I think a lot of movies would would lose that continuity with character. I I, I do think that yeah, like I do. I think this movie got better as it went along, like for all my personal problems. Um, it got more focused, especially like after Harley Quinn rejoined the group and everything. 
And uh, I did, yeah, let's talk about like that very, it was a very cool sequence in which she fought her way out on her own. And then they were like coming to rescue her, but she was already out. And she's like, oh, you guys are coming to save me. I found that very funny. I found that entire sequence very cool. I, I don't know, it was just cool. <laughs> um, um, no, I mean, like when they, when they use Harley Quinn, um, yes, they, they, they rarely ever talk about her backstory. And I think that's something that um, pretty much any major DC villain has to basically rely on Batman the Animated Series, right? Batman the Animated Series said, look, she was a psychiatrist and they barely talked about her background. They didn't say where she was going to fight. They, they said, mentally, this is how Harley Quinn exists. But Harley okay. Quinn is the only one that isn't really given any backstory in this film. So she's actually not focused on that much. She barely gets anything because I think this film is relying on you having seen previous iterations of this character, um, even though it's supposed to be a standalone film. So I kind of appreciated that they didn't dwell too much on her backstory here. They focused a lot more on the characters that we were the, the hearts of the film, I would say, which is Polka Dot Man and Ratcatcher 2. And I think those are the two that we get the most. I mean, like Idris Elba's Bloodsport gets a lot of um, early, early act, you know, um, establishment. But that's that's how I felt, which was like the, the characters that were the emotional center of the film. Um, the ones that do have the biggest hurdles to overcome and are the most empathetic in this film are the ones that James Gunn gives us the most to empathize with. I think he does a good job. Here's a side question. Yes. Well, I mean, Mati, you might be able to answer it, but this is more for Ed and and Adele. Um, Outside of Harley Quinn being a psychiatrist and treating the Joker, do you know anything about her before that? Well, I do based on not, are you talking about the actual movies? Because I'm not interested in debating comics. No, no, the the, the character, the character. Yes, yes, I do. I saw Birds of Prey. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Are we talking about just the DCEU? Because she's only in two other movies. The character, the the character in general. So you can combine both the movies and and the comics. I do, yes. I think that most people don't. I think that most people are just like, oh, Harley Quinn, she was a psychiatrist and she treated the Joker and she got corrupted. And that's it. And I think the problem with Harley Quinn, even in this movie, she's subject to it, which kind of sucks, is that people associate Harley Quinn with her relationship to the Joker. I'm happy that the Harley Quinn TV show quickly put a stop to that foolishness. But because people go into this movie being like, oh, Harley Quinn is defined by her relationships with broken men. You have an entire aspect of the film that has Harley Quinn dealing with her relationship with a broken man. And well, I'm that's, like, that's also why I've, I think that this, this is not my favorite depiction of the Harley Quinn character is agreed. Margot Robbie's thing. Because I think, they, I think they ended up trying to do the same thing in Birds of Prey, which is, again, trying to define her th- with her breakup to the Joker. And when it wasn't, that opened up a whole that's other problem. That's only the first half. That opened up a whole bunch of other problems. But like for me this movie does the best that it can with the version of the character that it had, especially yes. because she's not a main character. She's a side f- uh, fan favorite that we, that brings us into the movie, but she's yes. not the one that we stick with. And that's, that's what I like that this film did. I like the fact that she has this one sequence and that's her sequence. But after that, it's, it's done. And I'm hoping that further iterations of Harley Quinn don't even mention the Joker at all yep. because there's so much more to this character, 100%. Well, for me, I 
I like that they didn't give her any more backstory in this movie because she's yeah. she's a sidekick. She's not she, she's not the, the protagonist by not even close. Um, the other thing I did enjoy her scenes very much. I just felt that they were out of place. So it's because she's a sidekick. She's given whenever she's there, she's given too much importance. And I think that that balance is not really reached here. And personally, I, I really like Birds of Prey. Not as much as this film, but I like Harley a lot in that movie. Yeah, I like that movie other. too. I like that movie quite a bit too. And I think mm-hmm. she's better utilized in that movie. Yeah. Um, that said, the one thing that that bugged me in this in in this whole second act, uh, which ironically, Marty, you said you liked it, which but one? it's when when um, Rick Flag says that we need to go get Harley. We we don't leave anybody behind. I'm like, you know. <laughs> what movie you're in this is that's the point they're the point is they're expendable you're not gonna go do a side quest and save one member of the team you, you had so many people on the on the beach that died like that that's fair i think it's it speaks more to rick flag than it does to like what like their whole yeah. like what they're supposed to be there for and i think like and i think that that does that's a good character moment for him i think that he is the idealist and then like so it kind of so going a little bit off that to like near to the end of act two, which is when Rick Flag and um, Peacemaker, Peacemaker like fight each other. I think that Rick Flag being like tired of like being of doing this because he wants to be a good person and then ultimately getting killed for it. I think that's a good indication of his character. I liked I liked them going back for Harley because I thought it was funny and also an indication of his character. Um, but I understand like if like how it would also be a negative like it's not something i could like if i if somebody asked me like gun to my head like would you keep the scene in i don't know i i I enjoyed harley's scene quite a lot but i don't know like if it would serve the movie better i don't know if i would be happy to sacrifice or not oh no i was just gonna say like with with regards to like rick flag and peacemaker like again that is that is legitimately james gunn knowing his history knowing his comic book lore because, well, well, because like so, the original like Rick Flag, his father was like the first Suicide Squad, and this and Rick Flag Jr., which is one in the movie, is second Suicide like radiation. But the entire thing that they're going through now is his background story of what happened in like Kirak, which is like the basically desert storm of the time at the, when they were doing the same thing, and it's literally exactly how that played out. He found out that America was doing some crazy shit uh, with metahumans in the Iraq war in early Iraq or wait, no, where was Desert Storm? I don't know, uh, somewhere, Gulf War. Somewhere. Gulf War, sorry. Um, and he had a uh, an ethical breakdown and he was part of the Suicide Squad, so he had to do it. And now in this movie, he's faced with something very similar which is why he's like, they were killing children because in his original story, like they were killing children. So the only, like his entire arc is essentially based off of something that you would have to dig into the research of these characters to know about. But his arc and, is good enough in the his, film that you understand right? where he's at coming and, from. And, and that's and, what I'm saying. Yeah. James, well, that's what I'm saying. James Gunn was like, okay, well, we this character has a whole history before this movie. All yeah. these characters have history for us movies. How do I still tell a compelling story with characters that act a certain way? And this is how it works. 
Right. Well, the thing I like about it is like in contrast with the first Suicide Squad where Amanda Waller just brutally murders everyone in the room with her for no reason other than, yeah, they, they, they know about this mission. And then Rick Flagg just goes, oh, I didn't question that. I buried a lot of secrets too. Like the contrast between that Rick Flagg and this Rick Flagg where it's like, I'll bury the secret, but if you are literally just causing a, allowing a genocide to happen, that is not okay on my account. And I think mm-hmm. that that's where you, he, he, ha, he gets a lot more moral fiber. And that's why Peacemaker becomes such a horrible, disgusting character because of the things that he's willing to do. And you know that he's, they send people like him out to do those things. As Starro begins to enslave the island's population, Waller informs the squad that their mission is over because they have the files. Um, but then Bloodsport, um, very reluctantly, um, but then he's like, ah, oh, damn it, I'll do it anyway, leads his teammates to battle Starro. And Wallace, Waller's subordinates um, subdue her, hit her in the back of the head to keep her from executing them because they know that if, these, if this team doesn't help the city, people will die. And they're like, this is, a, this is really going too far. And throughout the movie, you see them getting a bit more regretful as things go along. That worked out really well. And then... Polka Dot Man um, is able to use his um, melting extra dimensional acid type acid like polka dots to take down one of Starro's legs. Um, as you see him imagine it being his mother. Um, but it's enough for them to bring it down. But then Polka Dot Man, as he says, I'm a superhero, gets murdered. And then um, Ratcatcher 2 is able to summon the city's rats to take down Starro onto the ground. Um, and uh, Harley Quinn is able to use the javelin, which was given to her at the beginning of the movie, to get into the eye and go with the rats and basically destroy Starro from the inside out. And after the squad's battle, um, oh, the, during the battle, I mean, um, the since they, were, they drew the Corto Maltese military away, Soria and her rebels are able to take control of the government, which she pledges to reform. Using the driver's leverage, Bloodsport then forces Waller to release him and his surviving teammates in exchange for keeping it confidential, which allows him to be airlifted out of Corto Maltese. And post-credits reveal that Weasel from the first team is still alive in Corto Maltese, and Peacemaker is also still alive under government care. And that is the end of this film. Mm-hmm. I think you missed the most important uh, line of the entire movie. It was it was when Starro is dying, and he gets the people on the ground to be like, "I was happy. I was happy drifting upon the stars. You did this to me." And and that is when you realize the entire callback for the entire concept of Suicide Squad is that these people regardless of what the missions they're doing are all victims of the circumstance they put into because of the American government. So when they become villains and start blowing things up, it's literally because of the American government, whether that be racism, whether that be um, genocide, whether that be a lack of mental health, lack of immigrant support, um, you know, actual army background training, PTSD, anything like that it's all because of america and the villain in this movie is no different than the suicide squad heroes of this movie 
what I find interesting about this film is that like the main people that were meant to empathize with like Rash Catcher too, she's Brazilian. So it's not that she's a, a visible minority. And it's I Portuguese. love Portuguese, huh? Is she Portuguese or is she She's from Portugal? Yeah. From Portugal. Okay. For some reason I thought she was from Brazil. Oh, the actress is from Brazil. The actress is from Brazil. Sorry, my bad. My bad. No, 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 um, no. The actress but... is from Portugal. I don't know is about the character. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh no, I meant the character. Well, okay. Well, either either way, no, like like there's that really touching scene about like when she's with her father and he's like, well, Why rats? Why rats? And she's like, Well, and he and he explains to her rats are the are considered the most this vile of, of all of everything and it's those are the people that can make the most change you know he gives that inspiration to her and I feel like that is very much the heart of what this film is about and it's unfortunate because it the film does show a lot of minorities getting killed a lot of a lot of the military the not military but the freedom fighters do get murdered by Starro um, a lot of the civilians get murdered by Starro yeah and and it's, it's, I think it's necessary to see because I think, like I said, the film is really trying to show that all of this is the cause of American imperialism. Yeah. Um, and it's very much like the, the fact that the Americans were the ones that, that kidnapped Starro from space, trapped, trapped it in a foreign country's you know, silo where if, if it were to break out and go crazy, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and exactly. And, and profiting off the people, overthrow, letting certain dictators rule as long as they'll protect America's interests, but overthrowing other ones that aren't, you know, nothing to do with the people, which is, again, this is, this is, this is like, it, it's calling attention to a lot of this. I actually had a conversation with a worker that called the film American propaganda. And I'm like, it's not, I mean, anti-American propaganda. I'm like, it's not anti-American. This stuff's happening. Know your research, know your history. So it's like, but that's the thing, like, I don't believe that this, I don't agree that this is a film where America saves the day. One, Amanda Waller tells them to get out and almost kills them and they defy her. Two, these people aren't acting in the interest of, of the states willingly. They, this is the only time they chose to defy what the order was to help these people. They're not acting in this, in, 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 in they're not, they, these people are throwaways. They're, they're products of the America, most of them are products of the, of the prison industrial complex. So mm -hmm. the movie is very much calling attention to this um, and criticizing it. And so that's why for me, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I, 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 I kind of felt that that scene, that the line that Starro says is kind of a little, it's thrown in there because Starro did, does murder a lot of people. And we don't know if he actually is like this when he's floating out in space, but, you're at, but I did like that they included it because it's like this thing was not, Earth wasn't on its radar until mm -hmm. America I brought it. Mm -hmm. To your point, I think that this movie has the same problem that the Marvel Captain Marvel movie had, mm. which is that it was outright um, it was outright talking about how imperialism works. Like you know, it was like the the whole the movie was about like how imperialism and like military um, presences can harm and like demonize certain people. But it was still a very much a military movie. Military, you know, like it was funded by the military. It was very much or heroes of military so it has the same problem well, the thing for me is that well the thing is like we can criticize movies for acting against themselves because there's lots of movies that are anti-violence that glorify violence that's a very exactly, common thing exactly. mm -hmm. the thing the thing that i always question is would the people that are watching this film think about these issues had they not gone in to see certain mm -hmm. things we went in to see a ragtag group of people kill a bunch of people that's what we went in to see and we got a movie that's basically telling you 
your country, the country that you think is so great and the beacon of civilization and demo- uh, beacon of freedom and democracy is literally destroying the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I felt that the people that would want to, would, would see this movie would probably get outraged by that. And no. I've seen that and, and, you know, they might, but <laughs> yeah, even might. if they don't. People were like, that. I was like, fuck yeah, America's blowing stuff up. Woo! And I'm maybe, like, yeah. maybe, but there are, but the, the, but the film raises legitimate concerns. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think for a film that is working, like you said, working within the confines of um, um, a Hollywood blockbuster yeah. run by a major studio that is trying to appeal to literally everyone and make the safest product imaginable. I think this film did, did a lot that is not safe. And I think that for that, I, I really commend it. There's a reason people like cheering for the villains. Yep. I have a... Uh, mm-hmm. I do. I really like the, the scene with Waller getting hit by her workers and everything. It felt so forced and, 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 and a little ridiculous just because it, those people, I mean, you're going to go into Belle Reve if you do something like that to her. It, it, it's, yeah. it, it's, it was a little forced. And also the, the, the scene that happened before that, so they're ordered to stand down, which I think if they actually did and let the whole shit happen, I would have liked the movie better. But uh, it, if... So instead of standing down, they 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 start moving towards that thing. But you, they know that they have a, a bomb in their head, and they know that Wall is going to push that button. Mm-hmm. But they still go, keep going, like like they like they read the script, because because there is no even they could protest, they could do anything, but actually going out of of line like that would get them killed. They would not achieve anything unless something happens. Of course, something was going to happen because it's a movie but but it it felt it took me out of the movie as well that that moment and it's little moments like that 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 it, that, it involved that Ratcatcher 2 talking to them though and her being the one that I'm doing this and polka dot man too and then the other two like those two are like I said they're the ones that were morally um in my opinion justified and lower or empathetic the other two yeah sure or the other three yeah sure they could whatever but i at that point i don't think like i said there's like growth in the characters they've seen a lot of the crap that's been going on so sure i think it was a cool choice but here's the thing though ed if 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 the four of us saw that thing out there would we charge it no because we're gonna die so those people knew they were gonna die if they if they did that because there's a wall is just gonna push the button they did they don't know that people on in, in the control room are gonna save them it doesn't matter what do you mean it doesn't matter? I think it matters a lot. Sure. Rat, Ratcatcher literally saw Rick Flag die and get murdered because of the information that he wanted to, to release. Right. So she definitely had a reason to go and fight this thing, even yes, if she was going to die. Well, again, just push the button and she would die there without doing anything, which sure. was what would have happened sure. if those people in the control room didn't do that. Two things, Adil. Sure. The movie, the movie is called Suicide Squad. And it it kind of did that callback of them saying, I'm taking my own life into my own hands. Now, when you start to compound all of the character growth, so Ratcatcher 2 feels absolutely horrible because she hasn't, she doesn't kill anyone during the entire time. She's trying to be a nice person. And by the end of it, she sees that everyone's dead and she's dying and she, and she tells Rick Flag or she tells uh, Bloodsport and his looking basically looking at his daughter because which he a uh, comparison he made earlier being like 
you're, this cause is worth my head being blown up. I'm choosing my own end for this. And King Shark having zero friends being like, well, I guess I'm going to follow you in this scenario. And Polka Dot Man, who is probably the only suicidal one there, <laughs> like at, at, before this moment, um, being just like, a, well, screw it. Why the hell not? And Harley Quinn being crazy. I think that scene was a very much of a domino effect that was proven throughout the role. Yeah. If and that they was, had a that line much... there saying that if I, if you kill me, go ahead, something like that. So you want an exposition? You want an exposition dump when they can visually? It's not show an exposition it? dump. It is it's totally a, it's an exposition a, it, dump. It's completely. It, no, it's a ridiculous they, they, choice. They, they, You're going to already... make ten steps uh, and we die. Know it's a ridiculous Why would you do choice? That? They even say it's a ridiculous choice. Yeah. If I had a bomb in my head, I'd go. Why? Mm-hmm. Why not? You would die. That's why. I mean, A, I've got this far. You would die achieving nothing. I think I think if they didn't go back, I, I think if they didn't go back, when you contrast when you contrast that with the scene where, like you said, like they that was problematic to you, where they murdered a bunch of, of freedom fighters, if they didn't make that choice, then what did they learn throughout this entire movie? They they murdered a bunch of people and now they're finally making the choice free of their will that Amanda Waller can kill us or we can save these people, try to save these people. Mm-hmm. Like they're literally, they're, they've literally changed, made that change throughout the film. That is the that right is thing the that I agree with the that decision the of them going forward and fighting and challenging Waller. I think the execution isn't. Here, here's the thing though. Good. And I, I kind of, I kind of get it a deal and I kind of don't. I think that at the end of the day, they're not scared of dying. No. In which case, the consequence of Amanda Dollar, Amanda Waller blowing their head up doesn't matter. You, sir, would be afraid of dying. You are so are afraid of having your head blown up. For them, they're just like, look, I don't care if I die today. I don't care. Like they they have given up essentially on life. They don't fear death, which is probably why the only the only character who feared death was Michael Rourke's character. I, I, I want to say, um, I, I do also disagree. I think it is a matter of thematic, like thematic um, significance versus log- logical significance. And I think like what you're pointing at is a logical leap. But at the same time, I think thematically it worked for the moment and I, it didn't bother me. So again, yeah, let's agree to disagree. Like, well, I mean, like, yeah, we'll go and, we'll go and do our, our, our final thoughts. Go ahead, Adil. Okay, I think, I think it's a pretty good film. I think uh, it's got some uh, issues, which I've brought up, especially with Holly Quinn and everything. I think it's got good intentions. Uh, but in the end, it is still... A movie that tells you it's it's like a Michael Bay movie where it, it tells you that the government is bad, but but the military, the soldiers who are on the ground, they're actually heroes and they're gonna save the day. And it's it whether they are acting according to plan or not. Of course, this movie is not trying to say that America saves the day, but in the end, it is a bunch of Americans that actually make a difference in a country where they, in which they were illegally, and um, so that's that that's why i can't get behind the the whole this is really critical of america i think it, it's critical of america in a way that democrats critic critic 
uh, criticize America. Um, I, I completely uh, disagree I, with your assessment of Michael Bay, though, because Michael Bay is very much pro-military in all of his movies. There's not yes. a single one where he doesn't but, criticize. So this, this, this movie, movie kind isn't of pro-military is. at all. No, there's nothing there's about no this military movie. in this movie apart from the Suicide Squad. There's nothing about this that's pro-military. Uh, the military is John Cena's character and Rick Flagg. The freedom they, they fighters are the, ones, are the that, ones that overthrow the government. Yeah. Their own government. And they, they said at the end. With the, the help that, of the Americans. They're, yeah. no, they, no, the Americans stopped the stupid thing that they brought to the country. The freedom fighters destabilized, overthrew the government that was oppressing them. And then they were the ones that were able to, to reinstall their democratic elections, which we know that will probably just get destabilized later on because the film does end on a very uncertain note. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, uh-huh. the parallel yes. that I'm making with Michael Bay is not necessarily the military. The, the portrayal of the military as a whole, it's more that Michael Bay has this uh, bureaucrats, bad people on the ground, good, which it's not exactly that, but it, it, it kind of reminds me of that. And even though I know the intentions are good, I think because it's made by Americans, because it's made by a white man, basically, it they don't see, they have blind spots that are make the movie what it is. Um, but that said, I think it's a very good film. I think it's fun. I think it it's, I can't even say it's the best DCEU movie I've seen this year because I, I, uh, I like Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Justice League better than this, but uh, yeah, apart from that and Wonder Woman, definitely like this one more than the others. Um, overall, yeah, eight out of 10, I would recommend the film. And Yeah, so I give it an eight out of 10 as well, but I, I really like the film. I don't have anywhere near the, the criticisms here. Um, I know that if the film, I don't, I kind of take issue with us kind of trying to say that just because this film was made by a white man that it automatically has blind spots. Because I think this film takes a lot into consideration for uh, minorities and people of color. Also, there's a lot of minorities and people of color on screen who I feel definitely would have taken issue if that, if the, or raised those blind spots. So I feel like it's not exactly, no, these are the people of color in this film are, and the minorities have a lot of power in Hollywood. So they would have said something. Plus, I think James Gunn is very well well aware of um, of the criticisms he's making here, and I do think that he has a very odd sense of humor, which puts off a lot of people. Which was why I don't feel this is a four quadrant film, um, which means that there are, it is not, and a lot of people are not going to like it. People will be offended by it. People will not understand its message, um, you know. And I think that that I don't think that's a failing on James Gunn or the film that that is more of uh, the, the, type, the perspective you bring to the film. I think what the film is trying to do and what it tries to say, it says with, with, with absolute directness, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I was never bored. Solid stuff. Leon? Um, so my final thoughts are realizing that as much as the directors and the creators and the writers and sometimes the actors have blind spots. We uh, also have blind spots. Mm-hmm. We are looking at this film through different lenses, whether that be a person who has a lens of comic books, 
person has a lens of an immigrant, person has a lens of a black person, person has a lens of someone who's, who knows people in the prison uh, industrial complex. And they, I think that, I think that we watched this movie through a lens of expectation that was given to us and we pick and choose what we think is relevant or irrelevant in how it was told. I think that this movie, for me anyways, did a lot of, had a lot of interesting, deep messages to it, but it took no effort to, to bring those messages to the forefront of the film. And I think that a movie that is forced to make you think versus a movie that you walk away from and then think about are two very different things. This movie did a great job of asking a question and walking away. So Monty, you're 100% right when you say, wait a minute, that's, that's, this is the way I feel when they killed off all of those all of the freedom fighters and that shit happens in real life and that emotional re like reaction although 100% sullies the movie for you is a reaction that I think is in this case much needed in a film like this I think when I watch this movie and I see Bloodsport and Amanda Waller and the dichotomy of black people in power within the prison system mm -hmm. is an understanding of how and why they put it there makes me think and have a reaction to that is purposeful. Did I have an opposite reaction when I realized that the first squad was all the main known high end, high calling in white people getting shot in the face, being like Nathan Fillion? Cool. I like him. Great actor. He did probably one of the most feminist shows ever created, shot in the face or shot in the arms. Right, you had you had all of these characters. Michael Rourke, that that ironic, I don't think was unintentionally blonde-haired and blue eyes, was a coward, ran away and got his head blown up. Like I just, I like, I like the idea that this movie forces you to think deeply about reactions that you have in in regards to the choices that the writer makes. And I don't think you can do that on purpose. So this movie for me gets a solid eight, 8.5 out of 10, um, because it didn't make any of those issues the theme of the film. The only thing I'm gonna say to that is I personally love when movies ask questions and walk away. Yes. You provide an answer, you're preaching, and you're yes. a lesser film. That's, a, that's all I'm gonna say. Cosign. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't mention this when we were talking about the third act, but my, my overall like feeling about this film is about my feeling about the uh, decision that was made at the very end of the film, which is that um, while accurate to the character, um, just the idea of like them hiding all of these um, atrocities just to have a, you know, have leverage and then just kind of just walking away is how I feel about this film. It's like, it's, it's not, I, I think this film, again, like I think this film should be watched. I think that it's a good film and I think that people, um, it deserves to be watched. It deserves to have a claim. That said, I, the more I think about this movie, the less I like it. And I think walking away from it, I'm just not gonna like, like it's, 
I and I didn't like I had no preconceived notions about James Gunn beyond the fact that I also didn't like Gardens of the Galaxy. So I think what this film tells me is that for all that I appreciate his stylistic choices, I don't think James Gunn's films are for me. Maybe that's not accurate to everything, but like, and that particular moment, as with many moments in like in different films, just struck me as being callous. And I don't think that is a statement on the, the intentions of this film so much as how it came off. And I think that this movie is a flawed but good product. I think that when I try to think about if I like it more than other DCEU movies, to be frank, I haven't watched that many. Um, and of the ones I have watched, um, I, I like Wonder Woman, but you know, that's about the extent of what I can say. It's like, it, I, it's not gonna be on my list of liked superhero films, but I still think it's a good movie. I know I sound like I didn't like the movie. It's number 16 on my uh, list of superhero movies. It's um, with regards to the, to the politics and everything, I, I do appreciate that they tried. Uh, for me, it's um, they didn't go all the way in, in terms of, and they didn't have to provide answers. And I, I agree with you, Ed, on that. But it reminds me of a quote from Westworld by uh, Thandie Newton when she says, uh, if you are looking for the truth, get the whole thing, it's like a good fuck. Half is worse than none at all. Basically, that, that, that's the feeling that I have with this film. Of course, you guys may disagree, but uh, that's, that's my final, final thought. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, um, much love, guys. Catch you in a bit. See you next mm-hmm. week. We watch. Hope next you're week. all staying safe. Quiet yeah. place part two. Happening. Quiet place part two. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good movie. But please enjoy good movies. And right. thank you. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. All right, guys. Hi. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plot Mechanics. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Please subscribe, like, and review our podcast. You can follow us on our social media on Facebook at Plot Mechanics Official. That's P-L-O-T-M-E-C-H-A-N-I-C-S-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. We're on Instagram at Plot Mechanics and on Twitter at Plot Mechanics 4. So that's Plot Mechanics and the number 4 because there are four of us. Thanks for the support and hope to see you guys in the next episode.